0: <laughs> wow, what's up M12, how you guys doing? Yeah, man, you all look so good, it's so, uh, so awesome to see all of your beautiful faces Thank you guys so much for hanging out tonight at M12 uh, Tonight's pretty cool, we're starting a brand new series Brand new series called Next, called Next And the whole idea of the series is that we're kind of like in a, in a stage of life right now Where there is a next in front of us. Like there is a new stage of life. I'm going to move this real quick. Uh, There is a new, nope, just kidding. Do you see this? What's happening right now? I'm caught. I'm going to do this. There we go. (laughs) I know, it's sad. Uh, So we're doing a series called Next. And the whole idea is that there's something new in front of us. There's a next stage of life. So for some of you, your next stage of life is summer. Yeah, that's right, that's right, yeah, for some of you it's NTS camp coming up, Uh, uh, and and I think, I don't know if this is true, but I think there's some people that next year you're going to high school, maybe, any, yeah, that's what I'm talking about, hey, uh, real quick, let me see, let me see the rising ninth graders, let me see, where you at? Where are you at? Yeah! That's what I'm talking about. Hey, here's the cool thing, okay, uh, whether, whether you're going to high school, whether you're excited about summer, uh, whatever your next is, for whatever reason, whenever there's like a next in front of you, uh, there's always like two competing emotions that happen. I don't know if you've noticed this, but when there's a next or a new stage of life, it's always like anticipation, right, like you're excited, but then at the same time, there's also anxiety. Like a little, like nervous. Like I don't really know what's going to happen. Like, like there's like dreams and you're hoping and you're, you're pumped up about what's going to happen. And, and at the same time, there's also the fear of the unknown. Uh, And it, to me, it, it it reminds me of, uh, guys, I think you'll, you'll understand this, uh, of asking a girl on a date. Okay. Here's what I mean. And, and, and by the way, I know, I know how you guys do. Uh, When I say asking a girl on a date. Here's what I don't mean. I don't mean hanging out with a girl for like five months and flirting with her until you know for sure that she definitely likes you. Because you've already talked to all her friends. And all her friends said she likes you. And then after flirting for five months, then you ask her on a date because you know she's going to say yes. No. No. That's called having a conversation. Okay. What I'm talking about is asking a girl on a date when you don't know what she's going to say. Okay. As in you look at a girl and you're like. I think I like her. And then you ask without doing any of that, like, I don't know, let me see, let me find out. No, 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 that's not a real, like you have to actually ask her without her knowing or without you knowing if she actually likes you. So uh, I thought it'd be appropriate to tell you about the very first girl that I asked on a date. Yeah. Lucky, lucky girl, right? Um, so I was in sixth grade. Did you get to see the green hair? I was in sixth grade. Uh, and in sixth grade there was a girl by the name of Leanna Wilson. Yeah. Leanna Wilson. Uh, in fact, I've actually got a picture of Leanna. I'm just kidding. I don't have a picture. That, w- that would be so weird if I had a picture of my middle school crush, okay, not, not okay. Not okay at all. Yeah, so, but I'm telling you, Leanna Wilson was the jam. Dude, Leanna Wilson was awesome. Like, I just thought everything about her. And uh, whenever you like a girl, um, guys, whenever you like a girl, like, for whatever reason, you, you kind of see her through this lens of, of the fact that you like her. And so you automatically assume that whenever she does anything, she's doing that because she likes you. Okay? <laughs> uh, at least that's what I did. So, for instance, we would, like, be talking. I'd be talking to Leanna Wilson. And then Leanna would flip her hair. And I was like, well, well, obviously she loves me. <laughs> like, she flipped her hair. And I mean, I think we all know that when a girl flips her hair, she obviously has a giant crush on me. Like, she didn't flip her hair when she was talking to that other guy. So, obviously, she loves me. Like, Leanna likes me. Or, or uh, this other time, I was, like, passing her. I was passing her in the hall. Uh, and I did this. I waved. And I said, hello. And then she waved back. I know. I know. So, like, yeah, so, like, we basically were going to get married, right? Like, I mean, that's just the way it works. And so, I'm telling you, with with Leanna Wilson, when I imagined my next with her, it was equal parts exciting and terrifying. Because the thought of, like, actually dating her was so awesome, but at the same time, I was also really scared because I had no idea what she was going to say. So, fast forward a little bit to eighth grade. Eighth grade. Okay, I know, it's a long time. So eighth grade, uh, I went on an overnight trip with my school. Uh, do you guys still do that, by the way? Wow. I'm sorry for bringing that up. I feel like that was a sensitive subject. I won't mention it again, I promise. So I was on this overnight trip uh, with my best friend called Brian. Uh, that's what his name was. So me and Brian were hanging out. Me and Brian were hanging out, and as we were hanging out, hey guys, here we go. Uh, as we were hanging out, me and Brian, come to find out, Brian liked Leanna Wilson too. Oh. I know. Up, up. Now, I can tell, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, stick em, right? Stick them. Uh, but, <laughs> but. But in the mind of a middle schooler, there's no telling what happens. And so for whatever reason, as an eighth grader, instead of getting upset with Brian because he liked the same girl that I liked, um, I got more excited about the fact that we both like Leanna. Like it was weird. So Yeah, I know. It didn't make sense. But like, like he was like, yeah, I like Leanna. And I was like, what? You like Leanna? I like Leanna. And he was like, yeah, like her hair, right? Yeah, her hair is awesome. It's amazing. And he was like, yeah, and her eyes too, right? Dude, her eyes, though, her eyes are amazing. Like, and, and so we just, like, egged each other on. We egged each other on because we both liked the same girl. And the thought of our next with Leanna Wilson was awesome. But I'm telling you, we were still terrified to actually ask her out. We just, like, to be honest, we just didn't have guts to ask her out. That is, we didn't have the guts to ask her out separately. But together... Again, I know I know I'm telling you, inside the mind of an 8th grader There's no telling what's happening, okay So we came up We came up with this Genius, genius idea Where we were going to call her up and so, uh, and so he got on the phone He said, hey, this is Brian uh, Leanna, I think you're awesome Will you go on a date with me And then handed the phone to me So then I grabbed it I said, hey, Leanna, uh, it's Steve. I think you're awesome. You want to go on a date with me? And then she had a choice to make, right? She had to choose between two eligible bachelors. <laughs> <laughs> me, <laughs> me and Brian. Brian. And, and she, uh, <laughs> <Brian>. <laughs> she, she did not pick Brian. Oh I know. She, uh, hold up. She turned us both down. She said, she said, "Uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. But I'm telling you, man, in that moment, like, our next was right in front of us. And the thought of a date with her was going to be amazing, but also a little bit terrifying. And so maybe, maybe for some of you, your next is a relationship. Maybe it's a guy. Maybe it's a girl, right? Like, like, like you're thinking about your next. Or, or maybe it's summer, Maybe you're thinking about like your next, like the plans for this summer. You're thinking about camp. You're thinking about next year. thinking about like 7th grade, 8th grade, ninth ah! grade, right? Like, like you're excited about your next. And here's what I know. Whenever we think about our next, we think, for whatever reason, we think we care more about our next than anyone else does. So, so we think that because we're we, like, like because I'm me, I care more about what's happening in my future than you do, right? Like, like you take care of your future, I'm going to take care of my future. You know, you make your plans, I'm going to make my plans. Uh, in other words, uh, Catherine and I like saying this, I'm going to do me, right? <laughs> you do you, I'm going to do me, right? And so, and t- because you think, you think that no one cares more about your next than you do. That you care the most about your next. But here's the deal. See, there there is a God, and that God actually cares about you. And not only does he care about you, he actually cares about your next. In fact, he cares about your next even more than you do. Like, God has plans for you, and his plans, I'm telling you, not only does he care more about you than you do, he actually knows what's best for you even more than you do. Because, see, for whatever reason, whenever we make plans, we think that we know what's best for us, right? That's the reason that we make the plans that we do. That's the reason that we go into the different necks of life, is because we think we know what's best for us. But, but sometimes we make plans, and they fall through. Uh, or, or sometimes we make plans, and they don't fall through. But the outcome wasn't what we expected. Like, we thought a decision was going to bring us happiness and fulfillment, and it was going to be awesome. But instead, it It brought us sadness and emptiness and regret. And see, in my opinion, regret, regret is the proof that we actually don't know what's best for us. Because see, if we always knew what was best for us, then we would never regret any decision. Because every decision would be what was best for us. But because we end up regretting decisions, it's proof that we don't know. We don't know what's best for us. But God does. See, God's next, God's next is for our best. God's next is for our best. Not just what we think will be better, but for what actually is best for us. So, so if it's true that all of us are in a stage of life where a next is coming up, and if it's true that there's a God and he cares more about your next than you do, and that he knows what's best for you, even better than you do, then there's a question that we should be asking. The question is, what is God's next? What is God's next for me? Not, not what is my next, because we've already got our plans. We've, like, we're already thinking about what's next for us. But what is God's next for us? And I'm telling you, this question, people have been asking this question for such a long time. They've been wondering, like, God, what do you have for me? What are the plans that you have for me? What is next for me? What do you think is best for me? And so I want to look at a story Of a time that the people of God were asking this question of God. God, what do you have next for us? So, go ahead, grab your Bibles. We're going to look at Numbers chapter 13, which is right at the beginning of your Bible. uh, On page 146. Page 146, Numbers chapter 13. And uh, I want to give you just a little bit of the backstory of Numbers 13. Thousands of years ago, thousands of years ago, the people of God were actually enslaved in Egypt. Like they were in bondage with no hope of escape. And then God, God himself, actually came and spoke to Moses. In fact, some of you know this story, right? He said to Moses, he said, Moses, I've heard the cry of my people, and I know they're in slavery, and I'm going to set them free. In fact, not only am I gonna set them free from slavery, but I'm actually gonna bring them into a new land. Out of Egypt and into a land that I've promised to them. It's the promised land. And it's gonna be flowing with milk and honey. And and, and my next for these people is better than anything they can possibly imagine. Whatever they had in Egypt is gonna be so much better. It's gonna be better in the next that I have for them. And so the story, Numbers 13, takes place after God rescued them from Egypt, and right as they're at the edge of what God had for them next. Right at the edge of the promised land. So look in Numbers chapter 13, right at the beginning, verse 1, it says this, the Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. And again, this is the promised land, okay? Canaan is the land that God is saying, that's my next for you. I rescued you from Egypt, and now I'm bringing you to the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and it's going to be incredible, and you're going to love it. And I want you, I want you to go there. So from each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So this is what God's saying. God says to Moses, he says, I want you to take, take 12 people, and I want you to send them into the land that I have for you. Send them literally into the next that's in front of them. So um, I, uh, I'm kind of weird, and so this is the way that I see it in my head, because uh, there were 12 of them, and they had to go into the land and actually spy on the land. Uh, so I like to imagine them as ninjas, Um, So so, so Moses gets 12 ninjas, okay, because it's better that way. So there's 12 ninjas, and Moses says to these ninjas, here's your mission, okay? I need you to go into the promised land. I need you to slide in, grab some food, and then slide out. You know what I'm saying? Not into the DMs, into the promised land. I know, I know. Don't think I don't know. I got, by the way, this is side note. I got this close to posting the picture of the kids sliding in, but I decided not to. So, uh, so he said, slide into the land, grab the food, then slide out. Which, uh, by the way, that's what Catherine and I do when we go to Costco. Um, like, like, I like Costco because the prices are low and you get to buy stuff in bulk. Uh, but the free samples, though. <laughs> so, so I, like, I'm telling you, they're so good. And so, uh, like, you can go to Costco on an empty stomach and leave completely full and not spend a dime. Because you can just eat all the free samples. So Catherine, when we, uh, Catherine and I, when we go, we just, like, grab some samples and then eat it, and it's awesome. So, uh, so basically, Moses is like, ninjas, come here for a second, grab some free samples, and then bring them back, okay? So that's what he says, and that's exactly what they do. So then verse 26, look at this. Verse 26. They came back to Moses and Aaron. And the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly. So they gathered up everyone, the whole assembly, and showed them the fruit of the land. Check it out. Free samples. Here they are. They gave, that's not, that's my just kind of side note. Anyways, verse 27. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us. And, listen, it does flow with milk and honey. In other words, it's exactly how God said it would be. It's incredible. It's better than we imagined. God's next for us is unbelievable, and all the things that he promised to us are true. We saw it, milk and honey, it's amazing. And then he said, here is its fruit, uh, which is like free samples. And so they're like, check it out. Like, the queso dip is amazing. I'm telling you, man. And like, the Promised Land meatballs are phenomenal. Like, we tried it, and they're just so, they're so good. And so they're trying it, they love it. They think it's incredible. But, but, verse 28, but the people who live there are very powerful, and the cities are fortified, very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there, which um, descendants of Anak are, are, are giants, like, like literally gi- like massive giants. Massive people, strong people. And so these 12 ninjas go up to Moses and they say, it's exactly what God said. But I'm telling you, man, there were giants there. They were huge. There were massive, massive people. And there were tons of people. We didn't know there were going to be people there. They were all over the place. And their cities were massive. He it was, it, like, it was It was this city and the walls were high. Like Moses, I don't think you understand that place is crazy. There's no way we can take that land. Like it's been fun. We've enjoyed the free samples, man. But we're out. Like we're out. There's just too much. Like the people, like the, 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 the cities, the walls, all of that. It's too much. And then verse 30. One of the ninjas by, uh, by the name of Caleb says this. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said we should go up and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it (laughs) and I don't know if this is true this is this is just kind of what I what I imagine but I imagine the other 11 ninjas look at Caleb they're like Caleb are you cray right now like Like, don't you remember what we saw? Don't you remember how giant the people were? Like, don't you remember how towering the walls were? How massive the cities were? Don't you remember how difficult it would be if we were to go and try to take over that land? Don't you remember, Caleb? And I think think Caleb might say something like this. Yeah. Yeah, I do remember. I remember how the people were huge. And how the walls were tall and the cities were massive. But that's not all I remember. See, I remember when we were slaves in Egypt. And I remember how our masters worked us to the bone. And I remember how there was no hope of escape. And then I remember how God himself sent plagues to terrorize our Egyptian masters. I remember how God sent locusts and they ate up the stuff. And then God sent frogs. And then, and then God turned water into blood. And I remember how God himself blotted out the sun. And he kept doing this to the Egyptians until finally, finally, the Egyptians let us go. And then I remember how we left Egypt and we got to the Red Sea. And I remember how we looked behind us. And the Egyptians were right on our tail. And I remember how we looked at the Red Sea and there was no way we could cross it, and our enemies were behind us. And I remember how God parted the water. I remember how it was like two towers of water and we crossed the Red Sea on dry land. And I remember how our enemies followed us. And then I remember how God brought the water back on our enemies and crushed our enemies. And then I remember how we got to the desert and we were thirsty. And then I remember how God himself told Moses said Moses, take your staff, I want you to strike the rock and water will come out of it and it did. And we drank water from a rock. I remember that. And I remember how we were hungry and we needed food desperately and God provided food for us. I, I remember in fact, in fact you, you you may remember this too that we were in our tents. And right outside of our tents was the food. Every morning we woke up and God provided food for us. Every morning. And then I remember how we got tired of the food that God was giving us. And we asked him, we said, God, would you just bring us some meat? Like, I'm really craving some Mongolian beef right now. And God, if you could just provide that. And then I remember how God literally rained down meat from the sky. And all of us ate meat until we were full. In fact, some of us got sick. Because of how much meat God gave us. So yeah, I do remember the giants. And I do remember the walls. And I remember the cities. But I remember how God promised us this land. And how he's already delivered us. And so I believe we can take it. (laughs) See, Caleb understood. That to know what God is doing. Remember what God has done. To know what God is doing. Remember. Remember. What God has done. See, because before we move to our next, although God has something unbelievable in store for us, He does, the first step is for us to remember. Because the God that is writing our next is the God that has already written the story up until this point. To know what God is doing, remember, remember, remember what God has done. See, I don't know what it is, and and maybe it's just me, but for whatever reason, we have a difficult time remembering what God has done. Like, this is, this is like, like, it's almost like a disease that we just, like, have spiritual amnesia. Like, we just forget what, like, like, what has actually happened in our lives. Like, I can't tell you the number of times that students have come up to me, and they've been, like, so excited and so on fire, and like, this is so great, I'm so excited, and they feel like God is right next to them. Like like they feel and they know for sure that God is real. They know that God has saved them. And they're so pumped up about God. And then the next day they wake up and they say, I don't even know if God's real anymore. I just don't know. It's like, well, 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 what about yesterday? Like yesterday you knew that he was real. You knew that he loved you. You knew that he cared. But we forget. (laughs) We forget all the time. And see, God knows this about us. He knows that we forget all the time. In fact, throughout the Bible that you're holding in your hand, God tells his people to remember or don't forget over 200 times. Over 200 times, God says to his people, now, now, now remember this. Remember what I've done. Remember what I'm doing right now. Later, you're going to forget, but you have to remember right now what I've done for you. In fact, this is, this is the reason that we sing songs together. See, we don't sing songs together because the band is awesome although they are awesome, right? Like the band's amazing, but we don't sing for them. And we, we don't sing songs just to like hear ourselves sing. That's not the purpose of singing. And <laughs> uh, we, we don't sing songs to remind God who he is, like as if he's forgotten, right? Like, like, like we're singing and we're like, there's no one higher, no one greater, no one like our God. And God's like, that's right. Oh my gosh, what, M12, thank you so much. I, you know, for a second I thought there were like two or three other people that were like a little bit higher than me, but there's no one higher. You're right, holy cow, M12, what would I do without you, right? No, God has not forgotten, we have, we've forgotten. This is, this is also one of the reasons that we do baptism. Just last week, we had six people, six people get baptized is incredible and yeah absolutely and I don't know if you do this but 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 every time I watch someone get baptized I'm reminded of my own baptism and I'm reminded of my own story and I'm I'm reminded of how God rescued me from sin and how he brought me new life through Jesus Part of the reason we do baptism is to remember what God has already done in our lives. That's one of the reasons we do that. And you know know communion, like 2,000 years ago when Jesus, he took wine and bread and he he broke the bread. And then what did he say? He said, do this in remembrance of me. (laughs) Because he knew we were going to forget. He's looking at his disciples and he's like, one day, I know this seems crazy, one day you're going to forget how much I love you. You're going to forget that I died on the cross for you, and you need to remember. So do this, to remember what I've done for you. See, this is why we read scripture, too. This is one of the reasons we read scripture, is because we've forgotten. Like, we've forgotten that the people of God were in bondage to slavery, and God himself set them free against all odds. We've forgotten that. And we need to remember, because when we feel like we are in bondage and there's no hope of getting out, we need to remember that God has already rescued people and he will rescue us. See, remembering, remembering builds our faith. It shows us that we can trust God. In other words, re- remembering, remembering moves us from fear to faith. Remembering moves us from fear to faith. But because, because when God says that there's a next for us, sometimes we get afraid because we're not sure what that actually means and what's that, what's that going to cost me and I don't know if I can do that. But when we remember what God has already done, that gives us assurance. We can trust God because we know what he's done. It moves us from fear to faith. To know what God is doing, remember what God has done. To know what God is doing, remember, remember, remember what God has done. Has done, And so I want us to do that right now. I want us to collectively remember what he's done. Because I don't know if you guys realize it, but um, God is doing something kind of unbelievable among us. Uh, in fact, how many of you, uh, t- like 10 months ago, we were meeting on Sunday morning in Peachtree Ridge around white tables with some chairs. How many of you were there for that? Yeah, right? And, 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 and so we were doing that, and it was great, and there was about 15 or 20 people. And now, <laughs> now we have an overflow room in here. That's crazy. Like, that's crazy that God is bringing more and more and more people to himself. But even better than that, this is, this is wild. I, uh, this, is, this is crazy to me. In the past 10 months, not even a year, in the past 10 months... Just in M12, so just what's happened in this room, not counting Sunday morning, although there's unbelievable stuff happening on Sunday morning, but just in this room, 34 students, 34 students have accepted Christ as their savior. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Like, and, and, and when I say that, I think of my own story. I think of being 12, accepting Christ as my savior. I think of how God rescued me from addiction. God rescued me from, uh, from self-doubt. God rescued me from those things, and 34 is not a number. I was not a number, you were not a number. Th- those are 34 souls, 34 people with families, 34 of you that go home at night, go to bed, 34 of you that wake up in the morning, 34 of you that take tests. 34 of you that are looking forward to summer. 34 people who've been brought from death to life. That's, that, that, that's many of you in this room. That's you. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And uh, not just that, but 22 students, just in M12, have gone public in their faith and gotten baptized. 22. and that's many of you as well. Many of you that have stood up in front of your friends and family and said I want everyone to know that I love Jesus and I'm committed to Jesus and I don't care what happens in the future but I'm following after Jesus. And that is a bold statement to make. And 22 of you have made that statement. It's unbelievable. And not just that, but but students that are falling in love with Jesus for whatever reason they just can't help tell other people about it. <laughs> and so many of you have been inviting friends. And then your friends have been inviting friends. And then your friends' friends have been inviting more and more friends. And then, and then you're tweeting about God. And you're talking about God at school. And you're Instagramming stuff about God. And it's crazy. In fact, this, this happened last Thursday at 10 p.m. After many of you tweeted about how incredible God was and all that he was doing. Many of you who accepted Christ just last week Like started tweeting about it and said, I just accepted Christ. I'm following Jesus. And then this is what happened. Someone who has never been here before tweeted this. What's with all of these people all of a sudden tweeting about God? I love that. That, this, this is unbelievable. This is unbelievable. That, that, that someone, someone would look at what's happening from the outside and say, What's going on? How is it that people are falling in love with Jesus? It's incredible. And see, I'm telling you, it's, 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 it, it's not just a number. It's each one of you. God is doing something in your lives. And for whatever reason, we've forgotten. And so right now, what I want to do is... Um, Uh, I'm going to pray for you in just a second, and then the band is going to come up, and we're going to do one last song. But before we do that, I want you to uh, reach under your chair. There should be something that says, My Story, and I want you to grab that. It's okay. All right, guys. Hey y'all. Shh, 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 I want you to go ahead and grab that. And here's what I want you to do. There's, there's, there's many of you that have recently made a decision to follow Jesus. For some of you it was, uh, it, was, it was a few months ago. Some of you, it was years ago, you made a decision. You said, I'm going to follow after Jesus. And for some of you, you've never actually told that story before. Like, you've never actually written that story down. And so I know that it's tempting to actually forget that story. And so what I want you to do is I want you to write down your story. And this is, like, you're not turning this in. This is not going to an adult. It's not going to me. You're not, you're not passing it up to the front. This is for you. This is for you. And I want you to write down in specific detail what God has done. What God has done. Because I'm telling you, there are many of you that I've heard your stories and it's unbelievable. For some of you, there have have been miracles that have happened, that God has done. Others of you, there have been moments where you you all of a sudden realized that God would forgive you. No matter what's happened. There's others of you that have gone through periods of self-harm, self-doubt, depression, anxiety. And God has rescued you from that. Don't forget. Don't forget that God has rescued you. Write down your story. To know what God is doing, you have to remember what God has done. And I'm telling you, I know that for many of you, God has already done unbelievable stuff. And we just need to remember. And so I want to pray for you. And then I want you to write down your story. And this week, I want you to put this somewhere where you can see it. I want you to put it maybe like, like by, uh, by the mirror in, in your bathroom or maybe by your bed or in your Bible. But somewhere where you can continue to be reminded of all that God has done for you. <laughs> because God loves you. He's crazy about you. And he's already proved it in so many different situations. And I want you to write down the story. So God, I ask right now that you would remind these students of what they've done. Remind them of of sin and of pain. And then remind them of how you rescued them. Remind them how they, they were enslaved to their own sin, and then you rescued them. Remind them how when they thought it was all over, you came through. Remind them of, of how they didn't think they could be loved or forgiven anymore, and you forgave them, and you love them. God, but would you remind them in specific detail that as they listen to the band sing over them, they would know how good you are because of all that you've done. And God, I know you have something unbelievable in store for us in the future. But for right now, God, we want to sit, we want to think, we want to remember all that you have done for us. So thank you. Thank you so much for loving us enough to send your son to die for us. And I ask that you would remind these students of your great love.